Previously on the Spielman and Hooley We Tackle Life podcast. And and so I think they tried to go that passive aggressive approach. It didn't work. He was getting some blowback and they said, wait a second here, you know, we just, we just need to say who you really are, Joe. Everybody knows yeah. as Joe is, is a, is a quote unquote baller. And so if the Bengals draft you, I mean, that might be tough luck, but that's who's drafting you. I think he might have wanted. If you want to make a stand, then you make a stand. Just say I'm making a stand. I'm not playing for Cincinnati. But then he's going to offend pretty much the whole half the state of Ohio. Yeah, I don't want to do that. No, don't want to offend half the state of Ohio. We already have somebody that does that. That uh, (laughs) me or is that Baker Mayfield? No, but I I was just kidding with with Baker. Yeah. Here's the thing. Um, I want to applaud you for. Entertaining me yesterday afternoon. Oh boy, what was I? Yeah, wait, let me think now. Hold on a second. What was I doing yesterday afternoon? Well, it was all day Wednesday and all day Thursday. Oh, okay. Your Twitter. Well, I, I was going to save you. this for the end because I was challenged uh, at the end of uh, the previous podcast, and I appreciate being challenged by Dan, our email friend, right. that I'm not the same person on Twitter that I try to be that I that he gathers that I try to be and that I hope I try to be mm-hmm. and he said you got it in, in a nice way he said you got to knock that off and you said I agree with Dan and I tried I've been trying since it's been it was amazing to watch because your answers were factual they weren't personal toward anybody and even if somebody got personal toward you it didn't matter you still responded in, in the correct manner. And the, the amount of conversation that was created between you and the Twitterverse was interesting because you made it interesting. Okay, and good. He, and didn't you feel like, I know I know you probably are biting your tongue no, a little bit. It, it, actually, after I, I really you feel had, better about how you responded? Yes, to? I really had to make an effort. Most of the conversation was about the Tony Grossi, Baker Mayfield right. thing. And I just tried to factually correct statements of misstatements um i think people appreciated it though didn't i they? think i i a couple of the the ladies who have a podcast in cleveland and it's a good podcast it's much different than this one which most are mm-hmm. um you know they i couldn't tell if they were upset or not i was trying not to upset anyone i was just trying to clarify and give a different perspective um, but at the end of the podcast, we'll readdress because I have a question about okay. my Twitter and about Lent. We don't right. bury the lead here on a Friday edition of the Spielman <laughs> We Tackle Life podcast. Uh, Buckeye basketball last night. I had my doubts when I saw pregame that Alonzo Gaffney and Kyle Young were going to be out at Nebraska, and they had eight scholarship players. They just left no doubt. They went out there and scorched earth right away. Dwayne Washington hit three threes in the first four minutes, and they were off and running. And 16 and 18 from Caleb Wesson. Big so, man. Big fella. But I mean, I was dominant. Uh, three of 10 from shooting, but it doesn't matter. He made his free throws. So who cares? He's 16 and 18. It's the bottom line. 18 boards, career high. And with Dwayne Washington, who we know from the MO of this team, and it's been this way all season. And for me, it's been this way since January when I actually started following mm-hmm. the basketball team is which guy is going to step up and – Somebody, whether it's Luther Muhammad, who had, a, I think, his best career game against Maryland, or it's Dwayne Washington in Nebraska starting out, first whatever nine points or hitting threes off the catch and 
those type of things. When you have that type of uh, performance and different guys step up, then this team can be very dangerous. But the one thing that is consistent, C.J. Walker also had a really good game. really good game and, and getting better and peaking at the right time. But it's your best player it has to be your most consistent player. And, and we gave you the exact numbers that we thought he's capable of every single time he steps out in the full floor, and that was 15 and 10. Yeah. And he's done that, and so it seems to me it would be interesting to see a breakdown or an analytic on this when he's at least 15 or 10 or within the vicinity of 15 and 10, what this record of this team is. Yeah, it's got to be pretty decent, I would think. I would think. I would like to see him. I think he has a capacity to be an 18 and 12 guy. Sure. And I'd like to see that and for them to be elite uh and be closer to the team they were early rather than the team they were in the middle when they started one and four, two and six in the Big Ten, which, by the way, they've dug themselves all the way out of that now. They're nine yeah. and eight going into Sunday's game against Michigan. If he's an 18 and 12 guy, they're really difficult because that indicates they're getting the ball to him more. And it's in, he's probably doing that inside. And then that opens up things outside. Mm-hmm. Guys get open shots. Now, Arns didn't play much last night, but if Caleb Wesson is getting 18 in the lane, Justin Arns is going to get some looks on the perimeter. Dwayne Washington is going to get some looks on the perimeter. C.J. Walker, Andre yeah. Wesson, Luther Muhammad. Yeah, the other thing is in 18 and 12, yes, he's he's capable. I'm only going off of what I, when I started watching what he's capable mm-hmm. of. And I right now, I think he's capable of 18 and 12, but during this past month and a half, yeah. I think 15 and 10 was very generous yeah, out to, of expectation. To absolve him a little bit of, of blame in that, I, I think they forget him at times. And last year it was a priority to get it into him, and it was a priority because he was so much heavier, 35 pounds heavier, he was in the post more. Now he gets wandering in the neighborhoods I'd rather not wander into out yeah. there on the perimeter. And they forget him, and they get three happy. That's they got a fine line to walk here where their threes make them uh, better, but they like they got up on Nebraska last night, uh, made nine of their first 11, and they were going inside, and they were hitting outside. Then all of a sudden they missed 10 in a row, and it was because they came down one, two passes, and boom, it was going up yeah. from three. Don't forget I, the big fella. No. Don't forget him in there. Right. So I stay you said mentioned there. 35 pounds. I think if he can gain uh, 15 of those back, it would be beneficial for him in a good way. Yeah. In I, a good I, way. He's I capable of. Yeah, I, I mean, just, he's, it, the, the lack of uh, bulk has allowed him to, to move more, not get in foul trouble. You don't see him getting those silly fouls on those high hedges this year where he was just too big to get out of the way of a quick guard like Maryland's Anthony Cowan. A lot of times guards just would go around the pick last year and just run yeah. into Caleb, and he'd get called, and it's a cheapie. I, I just think he would benefit. All right, I'll, I'll knock it down to 10. I yeah. think because just looking at his body, I think he can put on a healthy 10 without losing any of that quickness. That's just my opinion, and, and certainly one without not without studying the kid and all that, but just an uh, opinion off observation from television. But uh, I, I'm excited. I mean, I think – basketball is all about peaks and valleys, right? Yep. And especially with this team who does go through peaks oh and valleys. Yeah. But they seem to be peaking at the right time, and it's a, it's a good thing for them. They really need Kyle Young back for Sunday against Michigan. Uh, Michigan has length, and uh, I don't 
feel Boy, optimistic big, about that. Yeah, they're really big. Jeez, and, are they big? You know, and Caleb dominated John Teske the first time, and that was probably we said at the time it was Caleb's best game of his college yeah. career. Now he's since had two really good games. Uh, last night was a really good game, and the Maryland game he was really good. So that's, hopefully he's on a roll. That's when you know you have a good player when when. They go three for ten, but you look up at the box score and there are sixteen points and eighteen rebounds. Yep. That's a really good player. That is a good player. You know who else has impressed me? And this is an I think is a difficult transition to make in the middle of a season at the level Ohio State is, is Dwayne Washington. He was a strict catch and shoot guy. Then when DJ Carton they thought DJ Carton was better off the ball than on the ball, they thought give Dwayne Washington the ball more. And I was like, Holy cow, you're gonna give the ball more to Dwayne Washington? Like, yikes, that's turnover city. He's become really good and he's not just catch and shoot guy anymore. He can drive it and he's not as good as Carton driving it. It's not as quick. Pretty good though. He made a move at the end of the half against Maryland where he took a guy to the basket and went in the lane and put up a left-hand kind of halfy hook. And, yeah. and that's a big-time play. I, I like the win, Washington, because he's a nat- natural scorer. And I'm a big fan, and maybe because my daughter's like this. And so I, I look for players like this. It's a person that can create their own shot. Yeah. They don't need help to create a shot. And Unfortunately, I haven't had a chance to see my daughter do that yet. Mm. She'll be better in the long run. She'll get the I, David I Lighty fifth-year red shirt. Yeah, I know. I know. It's just I don't think people understand how hard this has been on me. She, she's. Be glad your daughter's still playing basketball. Mine's not, and boy, do I miss it. Man, do I miss it. Nobody understands our pain, do they? No, they don't. Yeah, well, you know what? Every dad just for our For pain. those that don't know, I have a daughter that plays a Bowling Green in the third practice during the summer of her, uh, this year, which is her freshman year, we had another Division One athlete somehow trip over their feet into her knee, and she tore mm. ACL. Mm. And so she's uh, on the recovery and had a good checkup on Monday and has actually been cleared to practice non-contact so she can do all the drills and cutting and stuff. She just can't scrimmage yet, but... Uh, yeah, anyway. and we're happy for her that because of the fine folks at Orthopedic One. Yeah, Doctor Pete, Pete Edwards. Doctor Pete Edwards on it, on it, and the rehab people. So, well. and uh, yeah, they they asked me if uh, it's interesting, um, and I didn't mean this in a disrespectful way. Maybe I shouldn't say it. <laughs> Did I tell you the story? No. The people where she goes to school said, "Well, we can have our doctors up here do it," and I said, "Yeah, I." I, you know, I really appreciate that, but yep. I'd rather have the guys that operate on professional athletes do it. Good choice. And uh, Jeff, the PT guy, has been unbelievable. Here's an interesting stat for you uh, parents out there. If your kids have ACL injuries mm-hmm. or if your daughters or sons have an ACL injury and they're basketball players. And I was just talking to Jeff, the PT, about this on Monday, that for ACL injuries – if you wait nine months before you actually start playing, playing, not rehab, not yeah. running, not cutting, not shooting, but actually playing, the chance of re-injury uh, diminishes seven times. Wow. If you come back before nine months, you're seven times more likely to tear your ACL again. Or, Yikes. So says something about yeah. – um, how to do it and so it's uh it's uh it's been quite the journey for her quite the journey for me it's very painful mm. 
It is. It, it people say, I, look, <laughs> it's crazy because they say. Um, that's one. That is my. I mean, it's not my biggest fear, but that my daughter's had a very successful start to her high school soccer career. And she now is being recruited by some schools she's interested in going to. And that's my, that is a huge fear of mine, is that because she's the leading scorer on her team and other teams target her and dive at her and stuff like that. And right. my fear is she'll tear her ACL. That's, I, but that's, you know, I think about that. That's, that's common. You know, we talked about that where yeah. when we watch our kids play, um, and we have a whole list of corrections to make when they get in the car or when they get home, mm-hmm. right? And I had a coach once tell me that when you watch your kids play, you tend to focus on every little bad thing that nobody else sees, including the coach of that team <laughs> doesn't see. Correct. And so, it, so yeah, I mean, it's it's a fear. I mean, I, I had that fear that I was going to get a phone call when she went to Bowling Green, and I got that phone call. I mean, I, I remember it. I, w- I just got home from New York. It was a Sunday afternoon. And I'm going to address something about, uh, when's the last time God acts supernaturally in your mm-hmm. life? I mm-hmm. want to bring that question up in our faith segment. But I have a response for that. So. Okay, very good. Um, we officially have a thing now. Uh, Ohio we State, do? Mich- yes. Oh, yeah, I we thought go we had win. a sponsor No, 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 no. <laughs> I'd be, I'd have a bigger grin on my face if that were the case. <laughs> we, we have Ohio State, Michigan in football, and that's generational, and that's always going to be there. We might be seeing the seeds of a thing in basketball with Ohio State and Maryland because Mark Turgeon made the charge that Caleb Weston's a bully. Chris Holtman went out of his way Wednesday at the end of his press conference to come back at Turgeon and say, listen, I've been thinking about that. I don't like it. And, you know. Yeah. So then uh, last night the ESPN guys were like, hey, Caleb Weston makes a move in the lane and uh, the – uh, announcer, I don't know who he was, but he, Robbie Hummel's the color guy. Yeah. He said, well, was Caleb a bully on that play? So you know they wanted to get into it. So here's Robbie Hummel, who uh, did not play for Gene Cady, but he obviously has some Gene Cady in him with Robbie Hummel's view of Mark Turgeon's charge that Caleb Wesson was a bully against Jalen Smith. This is the Big Ten Conference, and Jalen Smith is 6'10", 230, and he can defend himself. This is not the Boys and Girls Club. So wow. I, I do have an issue with that because if you're saying that Caleb Weston is bullying someone, you're implying that his character is not great. And just because he went out and was extremely physical in the game, I really disagree with that statement. Chris Holtman did too. He, he, he should. Once and and, and you know what? It wasn't once. It wasn't twice. It was three or four times. It's, at some point you get to, what are we doing? This is not that everybody plays and and everybody, you know, Caleb's too good to be. That's crazy. This is the Big Ten. This is college basketball. Uh, The other announcer, I believe, was Jason Bonetti. Okay, correct. Who's very talented. Jason Bonetti. Yeah, uh, guy, in my opinion. First of all, I think that's hyperbole by Robbie Hummel. I really do. What is hyperbole? Boys and Girls Club? (laughs) Boys and Girls Club, this is, and we hear that all the time. Everybody doesn't get to play. Of course, everybody knows that. I don't think Turgeon, because of the society of wokeness that we live in, because he used the term bully, everybody's making it bigger. I agree with that. Than it is. He used it as in, as, um, a, 
was, he, he was he got bullied like you, yeah. like locker room he talk. Got dominated. Like, like I could see the guy coaching his team, and at practice, and Jalen Smith is working on a freshman. He's telling, "Hey, don't let Jalen bully you." I mean, come on, push you around, push you around. Then, and I think Chris Holtman's overreacting to those comments. Now, maybe you're doing it to fire up your player or to show. I mean, there's always under there's always reasons or what you do is motivation. But to make this a thing between Michigan or Ohio State and Maryland, Wait, there's one a, more. There's one e- more. It's not even. No, there's I mean, one more instance to it. There's one more instance. All right. First of all, I'm all, I'm with you 100 percent on the fact that the the bully thing was not intended as a how we view bullying. Yeah, now. I mean, it was it, like don't let him. Here's Turgeon was angling to get Jalen Smith calls in the future. He's doing what he should do is as rep, a coach. rep his team. Yeah, Smith is a is a willowy. Stretch four playing five because he doesn't have a big beast in there, Bruno Fernando, that he had last year. When he had a Bruno Fernando, he bullied people. That was what was funny about it was I'm like, dude, you had Bruno Fernando like knocking people's heads together for two years. And Holtman is doing what he should do where he's thinking, wait a minute, if Turgeon's going to paint my guy as too physical in a post, I don't need Caleb Weston in foul trouble from here on. I'm going to come back and say, wait, Caleb gets scrutinized this is what Holtman's view was Caleb gets scrutinized by people because he's so big and we made the comment the Wilt Chamberlain comment nobody likes Goliath so the coaches were doing what coaches do but then Turgeon the other night at at Minnesota they win the game on a last second three Mm -hmm. and Turgeon's walk-off in his sideline interview is yeah, I just hope I'm in my driveway by 430 because we had to play the nine o'clock game at Minnesota that's ridiculous okay Sorry about the TV uh, money that you get at Maryland, which brought you out of your bankruptcy when you never should have been put into the Big Ten in the first place. <laughs> That's why you have to play 9 p.m. games, Mark Turgeon. But the other part of it, so Holman goes in his press conference last night, and the first thing he says is, essentially, great to have a 9 o'clock tip. We get to get in, have time for a shoot-around, really like the 9 o'clock tip. That's hey, Mark, take that with you. Yeah, I like it. I like the little clapping yeah, back. It, if you want to call it that, I mean, it's clapping. It's the basketball version of like, clapping back. It's like two passive young ladies. It is passive aggressive, big time. Fighting on the playground. It's like, uh, yeah. Uh. <laughs> It's 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 yeah, like, but it's it, it's not a thing. No, I a mean, thing. compare it to Ohio State and Michigan. When well, I we, just said, no, got, I didn't compare it. I we said got Woody football, tearing up the yard markers. I said and, football has this. We don't have anything in basketball. <laughs> this, I said it was the seed of something. Oh, the poor baby had to stay up too late. Okay, yeah, yeah. I mean, poor Mark Turgeon. Did somebody ask Turgeon? Hey, Get back you know, your thirty million dollar Big Ten Network yeah. check. <laughs> That's Give what he, that back. I then want, you can play at I, six o'clock. I, I want Get I want in bed s- early. I want somebody to ask him that. I really yeah. do. I really want somebody to say, "Well, you understand that if you're going to take the money, then you agree to the terms of the deal." Go but play my, in the ACC, where you're like the seventh most important team behind everybody in North Carolina. So those of you on on that can watch us or do watch us, and, and if you don't, you just have to vision it. So my two stepdaughters, one is. Uh, aggressive not not in a bad way just aggressive mm-hmm. and and tough and she's gritty and grindy the other one is is so nice and compassionate and loving 
Not that the other one isn't. I'm just saying the personalities, yeah, right? Yeah, just, yeah. just how different personalities. So Carrie, my wife, was telling me the story about when they were little and the younger one, who's the aggressive, tough one, did something to the older one, who's the loving, compassionate, kind one, mm-hmm. and Carrie didn't like it. And she goes to the older one. She says, you can hit her as hard as you want. Uh-oh. And so, so the real kind, compassionate one goes up to the young one, the tough, gritty one. Mm-hmm. And she goes like this. Uh. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> but it just, that's what this reminds me of. Oh, well, I'm going to show you, uh, Turgeon. Right. I enjoyed playing at 9 o'clock. We got to shoot around. I mean, come on. I will if grant you're gonna you. Go I after will grant him, you. If you're going to go after him, go after him. Quit your whining, baby. You get a check for $30 million for the Big Ten. Well, he went after This him. is big boy basketball. We play when they tell us to play. It doesn't matter. If you're going to go after him, go after him. Don't say, oh, this benefits our team to play at 9 o'clock. I mean, that's so passive aggressive. If you're going to go after him, go after him. I don't disagree, but I okay. just thought it was funny. All right. Not as funny as the uh, sideline <laughs> spat between Bruiser Flint and Archie uh, Miller last night. That one was uh, that was fun to watch. Those two guys no, I, my, jawing at each other as Purdue has beat. Can you imagine the angst in Indiana basketball circles? Purdue has beaten Indiana seven straight times. That saddens me. Ten of 11. That's sad. Ten of 11. That saddens me. Oh, shit. could have done crazy. that tonight. <laughs> Oh. Did you get the uh, text I sent you, the 35th anniversary of Night Night Throwing a Chair? You didn't get that last week? I think I did, Did yeah. you celebrate that? Of course did- I did. That was a great <laughs> – Bill Hoskett did that game on uh, TV. Oh, man. So, anyway, enough of that. What else is we got going on? Uh, we have uh, Chase Young at the Combine saying he's the best player in the draft. You can certainly make that argument. Uh, for the people again uh, – one more time, Joey Bosa, number two overall pick, NFL defensive. Uh, excuse me, Nick Bosa, number two overall pick, yes. NFL defensive rookie of the year. Joey Bosa, number three overall pick, mm-hmm. NFL defensive rookie of the year. Mm-hmm. Would you take right now Chase Young or the field in being NFL defensive rookie of the year for purely sporting purposes only? Mm-hmm. Uh. I would probably take the field. I would too. Right now, for one reason only. I think Nick and Joey were so advanced with their hand usage and their pass rush and their ability uh, to play so efficiently against the run and the pass. Mm Mm-hmm that I think Chase still has room to grow in that area. I'm not saying that he's not going to grow because I believe he will. I think he's a phenomenal athlete. I do believe he's going to be an impact player. But you're asking um, me, I think Joey and Nick were more advanced than Chase was coming out. Now, I've talked to a number of people about this in the world of the NFL some agree with me. Some adamantly disagree with me. Really? Yeah. Some agree with you. And uh, I'm, I'm not shocked by that. I'm, I'm, I'm shocked people disagree <laughs> yeah, with you. <laughs> not, not because of that. I just, the Boses to me, I mean, you know, they got the whole pedigree. Like their dad was a first-round NFL draft pick. They're physical. John Bosa. Yeah, they're Boston physical. College. They're fast. They're, you know. 
their hands are as good as any pass rushers in the NFL. Their hands are the best in the league. And think of it like a heavyweight boxer. Or I don't know if anybody out there follows boxing, but if you do and, and you're into it, think of anybody that was a great counter puncher. That if they would get hit, they'd immediately counter. Floyd Mayweather. Okay, then That's Floyd Mayweather's thing. great counter puncher. So the Boses are Floyd Mayweather's of pass rushers. They're tremendous counter punchers. And their hands are so quick, and they play with such forward lean. I just think a couple things for Chase. Chase uh, had some big moments on TV, and mm-hmm. it helped Chase, and deservedly so, don't get me wrong, that Gus uh, Johnson and Joel Klatt were selling Chase Young like a hot stock. Yes, they were. Best player in college football. I, I, mean, I mean, his name ceased to be Chase Young. It started to be the best player in college football. I, I think it. I think they oversold it. I'm not saying he wasn't. I just think they oversold it. And his ability uh, to make big plays, purely on athletic ability and skill, but he's such a tremendous athlete that you can see that. I'm just saying that being a great athlete with some good technique uh, can make Chase dominant at the college football level. Being a great athlete with some technique, Chase can be a very have a very good rookie year, but he's not at the level of technique. Mm-hmm. I want to make sure I'm clear on yeah, this. Yeah, yeah. And I'm not being derogatory toward Chase at all because I would take him. I think he's going to the Redskins number two, no questions asked, hands down, and I would take him number two overall to the Redskins. But he's not to the level of Joey or Nick Bosa. And people always ask me, well, Chris, okay, well, tell me who's better between Joey and Nick Bosa. Yeah. And my answer is whoever I see play last because they're the same guy. And they're really good against, I mean, you know, I have the benefit of having access to film and all that stuff, and I have the benefit of preparing for games so that I really get to study. And I've done, I did a Chargers game this year, and Mm -hmm. I also did two 49er games this year, and it's just uh, there's something, man. I mean, they're a joy to watch, and there's not many guys like them in the NFL that use their hands as well as they do and play with such forward lean as well as they do. I'm not only talking about sacks, but I'm talking about the the attention that they demand, Bruce. They mm-hmm. need – teams need to help – who's ever on Joey or Nick. They need to chip them. They need to double them. They need to do something with them. And their ability to play the run is just uh, uh, amazing. If you watch Nick Bosa play, even watch the Super Bowl, how many tackles did he make on the opposite side Uh, of the field from where he was lined up? How many defensive ends in the league do it as well as Nick or Joey Bosa? There's not that many. I'm telling you right now. So there's why I stand on that. I tried to find the story and give you the quotes, but I couldn't find it this morning. Uh, but I read a story yesterday. Charles Davis and Todd McShay and another analyst were uh, critical of Chase Young for not doing the on-field, on-field drills at the Combine. Like, what are you going to, you know, go out there and embarrass people. Go out there and show everybody how great you are. Um, I was a little surprised at that because he is uh, as consensus a number two pick as I can ever recall. I used to be in, in Charles and Todd or or really good friends of mine, especially Charles. I talked to Charles 
uh, about life, and mm-hmm. Charles has become one of my closest friends in this world. Uh, I love the guy. I will, and we rarely disagree on anything, but I will disagree with him on this. Why does he have to do it? Everybody knows where he's going to go. And so just everybody's going to come to Ohio State for Pro Day, and Chase can work out for them at Pro Day. But everybody knows where he's going to go. It's just like even way back when I went to the Combine in Indianapolis, who, of course, you could imagine my anxiety and my focus and all that stuff. I was but that was a restless night. I was sitting. You've probably been to this hotel, uh, the one with the train in the middle of it. With the oh, train yeah. chair. Yeah, so, I've stayed uh, in the train. Okay, so you know what I'm talking yeah. about. So we stayed there for the combine. And so I went out there like the villain in a old cartoon with the curly mustache. I laid down on the middle of the tracks and said, this is my time right now. Either I get up and perform or I might as well just stay here and have this train run over me. You, you, I, I had a red hooded sweatshirt on. It was three in the morning, wow. and the security guard said, what are you doing? He thought I was, you know, somebody trying to stay overnight, and I just said, well, my room's right over there. I'm just getting focused in for the combine. It's, I, I did some really weird things back in the day and, and probably still do, but my point being is I'll disagree with him. He doesn't need to work out for anybody. You know what I can do if you yep. want me? Draft me. I'm Check my... Check my credentials, check my work ethic, check my uh, intelligence. I'm all for that. But I don't have to run around out here for your ratings so everybody can see you. I know what I am. I know who's going to draft me. The Redskins are going to draft me, and that's it. Andre Bruce came, did a physical, and left. Andre Bruce was the number one pick overall outside linebacker for the Auburn, for the Atlanta Falcons. I remember seeing him get on the bus, go to the combine, didn't have a bag, uh, went through the physical, got back on the bus, asked the guy to take him to the airport, headed home. Why? They knew he was going to get drafted first overall. Why work out? Why do you need to? Uh, today is running back day. J.K. Dobbins will take the field today. Who uh, compared himself to Christian McCaffrey. He did. Uh, here's a snippet. We don't have that one, but here's a snippet of J.K. Dobbins talking about his health. You know, he had the ankle sprain um, in the Fiesta Bowl. Here is J.K. Dobbins and a quick follow-up from... Mike Florio as to J.K. Dobbins' plans and uh, physical condition entering running back day today at the Combine. Uh, I'm definitely close to being 100%. And then the, the, the really the most important thing that has me uh, iffy about Friday is my hamstring. I've never had a hamstring injury before in my life. So that's definitely an injury that I just, you know, had. And I'm trying to work through it. I've never had it before. But if I'm ready to go Friday, I'll definitely run. Even with the... The ankle? I mean, I thought yeah. the ankle was going to take some more time to get back to 100%, but you still go ahead and give it a shot? I think it's about 95% right now. 95%. I, I don't know. You're Do never you, you never don't like him working out? Or you? I think he should work out. Yeah, okay. Because I was going to ask you. If where... he has a hamstring, he's not Chase Young. He's not top no, five he's not. pick. No. He's, he's on the border of one or two. Yep. If he has a hamstring, then if he can't run full speed, then he's only going to hurt himself. So if he's got anything that's lingering, then I I would say no. But if he feels like he's 95%, which is, in in essence, to me, that's 100%. I mean, you are always got aches and pains and whatever. 
the adrenaline for that day can kick in, so that makes you covers up for that five percent minimum. Here's the thing with J.K. Dobbins. I wasn't a big fan, as everybody knows, and as you know, not a big fan in the sense that, yeah, he's good, but you know, so are nineteen other guys, right? Yep. Boy, did he capture my heart and mind, didn't he? As the year went on, two thousand three yards. The ability to make people miss his toughness. Uh, Getting the extra yards, never getting knocked backwards, breaking tackles, never getting caught from behind, except... You told me to let it go. Now you're bringing it up. I know. Uh, I think he's got similarities to Christian McCaffrey as far as running football. I think that's a really good comparison. Doesn't feel like he he has that burst. I think he does. Where he doesn't have Christian McCaffrey skill, Christian McCaffrey and maybe his father, Ed who was an NFL wide receiver, taught him this, uh, is a little bit more uh, skilled when they line up that running back to create a mismatch in the slot as far as running routes. But I think J.K. is is a guy that uh, is going to have a nice career and a nice future in the NFL. I don't know if he'll be a guy that's a 1A, a, a 25-touch guy a game, but he's a guy that's going to be a, a very valuable player on somebody's football team. and Great career and a great year at Ohio State. It was so fun to watch this kid, how much more he improved from last year mm-hmm. to this year. It was, it was really one of the cool stories that some people talked about, but there was other big stories that overshadowed the improvement from for me from his from uh, eighteen to nineteen, yeah. When you got down to the end of the year against uh, Wisconsin, Penn State, uh, and in the playoff game, you know, it's hard to argue with the production uh, and the Michigan game from J.K. Dobbins. Yeah, four touchdowns or five against Michigan, something like that. I, I, as many I, as he wanted is the answer. Yeah, it's, it was just fun to watch, and that's the biggest question as we talked about is spring ball is coming up upon us rapidly that. Uh, I want to see who emerges as running back. Master Teague, of course. Um, but I think there's got to be somebody else, to be honest with you. I really do. There's got to be somebody with a little, with a little more explosiveness. Uh, we'll save this topic for another day, but that reminds me of a question that I have. We're on the cusp of this era in college football where we're going to have name and likeness compensation, and we're going to have one free transfer where you can go and be immediately eligible. You're welcome. Thank you, Mr. Spielman. Yes. So here's my You're welcome, question. everybody, yeah. all you future athletes. So here's Ohio State, where they're clearly a national championship contender. They have, they're okay at running back. They're not, at this point, we don't think they're elite. So in the future, we're going to get into this sometime when we have a dead day here, is what's a guy like Chuba Hubbard from Oklahoma State worth to Ohio State as a transfer? Next season. Amazing. In the name and likeness era. Free agency. Go yeah. get it. I mean, that's going to be really – or a corner who's like, oh, they lost Jeff Okuda, but they got Sean Wade, but they could use another corner. Ooh, okay, I play, I'm playing at uh, Missouri, but I'm a really good corner, and I bet those folks in Columbus, those car dealers would love to have me come and endorse. So we'll, we'll get into that. Sometime. I love it. Okay. Uh, yeah, I want to go to DBU. Yeah, DBU. Now it's going to be DEU with Bosa Bosa and Chase Young. Yeah. Sounds uh, like a long fur. Yes, it does. <laughs> All right. Uh, what about J.K. Dobbins' first running back off the board? DeAndre Swift, Georgia. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, Jonathan Taylor, Wisconsin. And then your guy, Clyde Edwards-Elaire, LSU. 55 catches for Clyde Edwards-Elaire, the bowling ball. I love that kid, man. It's hard not to love him. First running back off the board. I believe Swift is the number one ranked, at least. It's real tight. He's uh, he's a guy who's only had three drops in his college career. He's likened to LaShawn McCoy. Nobody doubts his speed. He averaged 6.5 yards per carry, but J.K. had a big yards yeah. per carry average. And Jonathan Taylor's a sprinter. I, yeah. Hasn't I, caught it a lot, but he caught it more. He had 26 catches. A lot of those were on, probably 20 of those were on screen passes. Yeah. I, I like all those guys. I don't think, like, one doesn't pop out to me. I think J.K. Dobbins in the production that he was able to give certainly has a chance to be the first running back off the board. I really like that kid from LSU. But, again, that's my taste in running backs, yeah. what he is, that type of player. Mm-hmm. He's hard to see. He's got great balance. He catches the ball out of the backfield. Rarely does the first man get him down. So that's just what I like. But I can see any of those guys going number one, to be honest with you. I don't have one of those guys' favorites. It's all going to be depending on taste of what what the coach or the offensive philosophy of whatever team takes those guys. My guess would be once one of them goes, the other three will go relatively quickly. Although running back, I don't think so. Really? Yeah. That just but, I mean, finish of, your sentence because well, a lot that's of times why. you have a run on. People are waiting. They're waiting. Okay, there's a couple wide receivers here who are pretty similar. We had that a few years ago with Josh Doxson and Corey Coleman, and I think Laquan Treadwell. And everybody's like, ah, who's yeah. better? I don't know and, who's and, better. Yeah, and all those guys are pretty much of, out of the league. Although Josh Doxson is the only guy that's still uh, playing, just signed with somebody he he was with the vikings the vikings ended up releasing him i just read on uh profootballtalk.com that he just signed with somebody else but Coleman all those guys are bust treadwell or yeah they're all bus they're bust. i don't think these guys will be bus uh the receivers a strong Dobson, group Hilaire. yeah the receiver oh my goodness what uh henry ruggs yesterday ran 427 yeah. austin mack ran well slightly faster because a hundredth of a second faster than kj hill and uh, uh kj didn't run very well Ohio State, they'll run faster on March 25th in Columbus. Yeah. And they'll all be, in my opinion, productive players yeah. in the NFL. I, I'm not saying that. I, I think KJ will be a great uh, player. That's not his strength straightaway speed. Uh, KJ's good route runner, shaky, more quick than fast type guy. Uh, but a 4.67 and a 4.6 flat, that's, uh, that's slow for a wide receiver. But to go back to your point about running backs. Usually I, just guys go, once one guy goes, people are like, oh, I do want a running back, but okay, that guy went off the board. Maybe yeah. now we ought to jump and get him. I think running backs are the shelf life, yeah. right? Do Time I want to spend a first round unless they're uh, a unique talent like Zeke Elliott or somebody like that? I, I don't think you'll see. I'd be surprised if any of those guys go in the first round. I would be too. To be honest with you. Maybe at the end of the round, I don't know. I mean somebody could yeah. love him. It only takes one. It's like getting married. You only got well, one mean, woman the, to fall in love with. The benefit of taking a running back in the first round is you're getting him at his peak years and you get him for 5 years under the current CBA. Correct. Uh, but I've said before I'd never give a running back a second contract. And uh, boy the Cowboys are going to really regret that Zeke contract. Yeah. If they're not already. Just and like I the don't Rams blame do Zeke one bit. No, I didn't blame him either. Good man. for him. They fell for it. 
They fell for it. He called their bluff and got paid. Good for him. Speaking of the NFL and getting paid, Ryan Day's contract, I obtained a copy of it yesterday. Wow. Investigative journalism. And now they sent it out to everybody. <laughs> I did obtain it. Folks. I opened my email and there People, it was. Okay. Well, all right. I'm you trying still, not You to investigated your email and you got the I'm contract. Trying not to be, you know, puff myself up. Uh, you got enough people tearing you down. That's okay. So that's fine. I deserve it. So keeps me humble, or at least keeps me moving toward being humble. Yeah, let's not let's not a journey. Let's left. not pat ourselves on the back too much here, cross Bruce. country or around the world. <laughs> uh, the buyout increases. Okay, so people say, "Oh, the buyout increased. Good, he's locked up." Yeah. Eh, not so fast, my friends. His buyout was two million. Now his buyout is three point five million, and it goes down $500,000 a year. Dabo Swinney's buyout at Clemson in the first year of his new contract is $50 million. Yeah. So no NFL team, I, I don't think an NFL team, although billionaire could do it, is going to pay $50 billion to get Dabo out of his contract. Ryan Day's buyout will not keep anyone from coming to get him if he wants to be gotten. I don't think there's one uh, team that would ever be interested in Dabo Sweeney as a NFL head coach. Yeah, I agree with that. I think it, we see what Dabo is. Dabo's a, a arguably one of the best college coaches in the history because he's making his way to, up that way, right? Yep. But I don't see any NFL team. He just he's, he's a guy that's built for college. Built for it. Ryan Day is a guy that's built for the NFL. I don't care what anybody says. That's what he is. Yep. He, he, he's one of those rare guys that can do either or. You look at Ryan Day, and I see NFL on Ryan Day. I, I cannot not see it. I, I don't want to lie to you. That's the truth. I think it's good of Ohio State and good of Ryan not to phony up some dumb buyout. Because, look, if a guy wants to coach somewhere else, you have to let him. Yeah. And uh, it would not serve Ohio State's purposes to put – a $25 million buyout in there, nor would it serve Ryan's purposes to, you know, say no buyout. He is on the hook additionally for whatever amount of assistant coaches contracts they'd have to pay. For instance, let's say he's got a couple coordinators who are signed to two-year deals and he leaves and goes to the NFL. Uh, if those guys couldn't get another job, which if you're at Ohio State, you can, but if those guys decide not to work and Ohio State would owe them each $4 bucks, mm -hmm. that would be added to Ryan's buyout. But those guys have to try to get jobs. They can't just sit there and say, oh, I'll take my money and not do anything. So there is some mitigating damages. Essentially, he'll owe 3.5 if he leaves after this coming season, then 3, then 2.5, then 2, on down. But they're going to renegotiate his deal. It's through 2026. They'll renegotiate that thing three times before it gets to 2026 if he keeps winning like he is. Yeah. He probably can afford one three-loss season. He can afford more than one. Mm. You think they'd can him if he had back-to-back three-loss seasons? I think they would. There'd be a lot of talk. Be, there'd be a lot. Think, the, the, think about it now. They'd be nervous, but I don't think, think about they can the, him. Think about what the expectations are here now, thanks to yeah, thanks to Urban uh, Frank Meyer. Yeah, I, 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 seriously, yeah. I mean, like if Justin Fields what, got hurt this year, I want you to think about year, that. 
And then they lost three games, and then next year you got a freshman quarter, you know, sophomore quarterback. Got to prepare lose for three that. games. Got to prepare for that. It's Ohio State. Can't keep guys here if they would transfer to LSU. Okay, what about Alabama in a national championship putting their freshman quarterback in? That's true. By the way, the you standard know, has changed, my friend. The yeah. standard has changed. Earl Bruce was nine and like nine and three, nine and three, nine and three, right? Old nine and three Earl was the rap. Yeah, but he stayed for a long time. Exactly. So it's just a different standard. This seems like a good time to read our freshest review. It comes from Kent. It's a long one. It's the longest review ever. Congratulations, Kent. You posted the longest review in the history of the Spielman and Hooley podcast. He says, I listen to multiple Buckeye podcasts, mostly while driving, and Spielman and Hooley podcast is one of my mandatory listens each week, not just for OSU football, but he talks about the other things that we do. And he says, uh, the Browns and Bengals are weirdly entertaining off the field, but not on. That's true. <laughs> he says, the football discussions are the primary reason. I generally laugh hearing Hooley's frustrations, which are mostly targeted at the latest Browns faux pas. He says, I listen intently when Spiels gives any OSU take, and it's uh, unique to many of the podcasts that I follow. Now, here's the memory, uh, why I brought it up now with uh, your reference to Earl. He says, following the 1987 football season, that was Spiels' uh, final year, I was at the OSU Cleveland Alumni Dinner where several OSU senior players were honored, and typically the OSU head coach would be the keynote speaker. But Earl had been fired and was gone. The replacement speaker was former OSU quarterback Rex Kern. And I felt his speech was so demeaning, not just of Coach Bruce, but specifically aimed at the players on that team. Tom Tupa and Chris were both honored at the dinner, and Chris spoke. And when he did, I believe Chris stared at and directed his comments at Kern. I personally thought Chris would have loved to have sacked Rex Kern if he could. I laughingly wonder now if Chris's faith restrained him and saved Rex Kern. Do you remember this? I remember. I actually remember the dinner. I don't remember the comments, probably because I was as disappointed as anybody. I felt at six four and one, I didn't do my job and hold up Ohio State football standards. Nobody did. I mean, we didn't do our job. And the only saving grace from my senior year was that fact that we beat Michigan up in Michigan. Mm -hmm. That's it. That's it. Because other than that, I failed and we failed as a senior class. Now, there were circumstances, but the circumstances don't matter because nobody cares. He mentions the circumstances. He says the 87 season had its challenges from Chris Carter's yeah. agent hiring to Ed Jennings mishandling the Bruce firing. Doesn't the matter. Chris Carter thing killed you. <laughs> well, you're taking, taking maybe the best wide receiver Hall of Famer. in a hit. But regardless, it doesn't matter. We didn't. We should have been better, and we weren't. We lost games we shouldn't have lost, and just not up to the standard that we were capable of playing. And I am responsible for that, and I'll forever take that to my grave. And I talked about on this podcast, and you actually put it up on Twitter or on Instagram, whichever thing you do, where I talked about I do wake up in the middle of the night and pull it up on your little computer or Facebook or whatever, Twitter or whatever you Instagram, do. Instagram, Nick. Instagram Sorry. is what we do. Uh, sounded a lot like Coach Saban there. And, and yeah, and so <laughs> I don't remember what Rex said, but he probably was telling the truth. <laughs> well, yeah, I don't know either. I don't know. That's but a long time That guy ago. remembers it. Well, Kent remembers it. Thank you for, thank uh, you for the review, Kent. And, yeah, and thank you for listening. Absolutely right. Okay, uh, prediction on Tom Brady's landing spot. Jeff Darlington of ESPN says he'll be stunned, shocked, something like that, if Brady's back in New England. I think he's back in New England. Okay. Just wondered. What do you think he's going to be? I don't I no idea. I think 
people were it, saying. I that, hope he's back in New England because it would just feel weird and sad to me to see him in a Colts uniform or a Charger uniform. Or and well, the Texas. Giants were in play, which I can't believe oh, the Giants on. are in play because you don't want you don't <laughs> want to retard the growth of Daniel Jones. I mean, that, that's just ridiculous. No, that wouldn't make any sense at all. No. What about in a Browns uniform? No. That would be really somebody, sad. Somebody that was would be talking, super sad. Uh, I was talking to a football guy last night about Baker Mayfield. Oh, boy. And that Baker's committed himself and all seems to Good. be listening to Good. getting in shape and being much better and focused and all that stuff. Did you hear Excellent. that? I have not heard that, but uh, kudos to him. Okay. If so, I'd yeah. love to see that. Well, sure. It's only going to help everybody. Help everybody. Everybody, everybody. So let's get to... Uh, well, emails. Got lots of Okay, them. well, but I I, I do want to get to your Twitter, which yeah, you, we'll you get to teased. The All right, well. We'll get to the Twitter. You know, I'd like to be out of here by noon. Okay, but, well, you okay. tell me. We can uh, save some of the emails. No, 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 no. Whatever's easiest for you, of course. Uh, here's Matt. He says, uh, please listen to Wednesday's podcast again, specifically what... He says, this is directed to me. He says, Bruce, please listen to Wednesday's podcast again, specifically to what Spiel says about evolving. It's the growth most people experience in life. In these days of having an absolute embarrassment as the president, it's refreshing to hear thoughtful sentiments from someone who I admired as a player but admire more as a man. As for Bruce, he's growing on me because I'm trying hard not to be judgmental with some of his inane comments, but he seems to have good leadership qualities with his future endeavors. All the best, Matt. Thank you. So uh, that's that brings us to the Twitter conversation. Okay. The other day... Um, Dan challenged me on Twitter to be uh, more tempered and kind and thoughtful rather than snarky and uh, insulting. You're very uh, quick-witted and very good at being snarky when you want to be. I was decent on the grossy Mayfield topic since then. I have probably failed on the Turgeon Not really. stuff. Not really? Okay. Uh, no, on a Turgeon, st- uh, on Twitter, you mean? Yeah. Or on a, yeah, oh, yeah, on a pod- yeah, yeah. No, no. no on on the podcast, I think we're uh, completely legitimate on the Turgeon stuff. All right. All right, go ahead. All right. Uh, Dan actually wrote back. He said, uh, thanks for everything with the show and the impact you're both having, not just on me, but on everyone you're touching through your faith. Yeah, there you go. Thank you, Dan. Appreciate that. Uh, here's Tim. He says, I agree with you. Uh, that's about ESPN Cleveland, which I don't want to talk about anymore because we've run that into the ground. And that one's for my, uh, business endeavor with SI.com. So we're good on the email side. Should I, here's, here's my question on Twitter. My question on Twitter to you is I've been thinking about this and I try to respond to, uh, promptings where I feel there, there might be conviction there. I'm not a, I'm not Catholic, so I don't, always give up stuff for Lent, but I know the concept of giving up something for Lent. And I was just wondering if it might be a good idea for me. I want to get your input on this. I can't give up all tweeting because I have to tweet for my SI job and I have to tweet to promote the podcast. And, um, but I could give up all opinionated Twitter through Lent. I could tweet like story links of our uh, uh, of my SI stuff, and I could tweet our podcast. Yeah. You know, our podcast is up, but I could say I'm not going to inject any opinion on Twitter throughout Lent. Is in order to discipline myself on the Twitter side, yeah. should I give up Twitter for Lent? And I'll do whatever you think I should do. I think no. I, I think when you 
I, I mean, Lent is, I think it's about sacrificial giving. So I don't know how much of a sacrifice that is it is well you're well I if would it, love it, to like if you consider it a sacrifice to give up a, now selfishly i would miss that because of how you responded and how much i enjoyed the civil tone and the civil conversations that were created because of how you approached that whole Tony Grossi thing. There was things that I learned about the, was he fired from the plane dealer? No, he wasn't fired. He took an opportunity from WK and whatever. Mm -hmm. I was learning about a situation and you were educating me. And I don't know how much, so is it, if you consider it a sacrificial. It's it's more of a sacrifice for me to do it the way you wanted, you and Dan encouraged me to do it. It makes me, it takes more effort. Then I would continue to do that. But I should maybe should I give myself a zero tolerance policy? If I screw up, then I have to stop altogether. That's up to you. Okay. I I, I also would encourage people for Lent and maybe not giving something up, but adding something to, uh, whether it's another devotion or specific prayer for a specific group or whatever it may be. I think that's another challenge that we can accept is. Besides giving something up for Lent, let's add two uh, or uh, something um, of devotion, whatever that devotion may be for Lent, or do an extra, maybe give up a meal. Yeah, You know, one of the things that there's a lot of rules, as you know, in the Catholic Church, and one of the things is you don't eat meat on Fridays. It's just, it's not, it's not like you're, obviously, your salvation doesn't depend on any of this stuff because salvation is sealed by grace. We all get that, but it's just an act of reverence. Yes. And a willingness to say, okay, in a discipline that, okay, I'm going to fast. Well, fast means in some areas, I'm not going to have meat on Fridays. I've done it in years past where fast on a Friday for me, I took it to the level of, okay, I'm just going to have, Coffee, water, and juice for the day on a Friday. So it's whatever you want to do. Something to focus on God instead of what you're on food or whatever the case may be. Yeah, it's an acknowledgement. Yeah. Uh, it just kind of makes you pause from your normal routine. Yeah. You can follow the podcast uh, on iTunes, on Google Play, on any podcast platform, Spreaker, SoundCloud. Uh, they're all, it's on everywhere. We appreciate that. We appreciate reviews. And unfortunately, none of the other platforms other than iTunes allow you to review it. And iTunes is the king. And every fresh review helps us because it gives us an idea of what you're thinking. It leads to show content. And it does help us, theoretically, with sponsors. Uh, you can, as some have requested, a Patreon page. So we have a Patreon page, and you can uh, go there if you want to. And we're gonna. Here's the thing on Patreon. Diet Coke fund. Here's the thing on Patreon. You're supposed to post like insider content on Patreon. I had people say like, "Well, what are you gonna put on there for your patrons that you're not putting on it's your true. normal podcast? What do we? What do we? I don't want to put just the faith stuff on Patreon. I want everybody to hear that. I don't think our Buckeye stuff is so great that that'd be dumb to put that on there. What is there to put on there? There you go down the road of politics. Well, I wondered about that. <laughs> Look at you, I, boy. Yeah, you I, I wondered. Well, yeah. here's the thing: we could do politics from a Christian worldview. We'd have to hold ourselves accountable on the Christian worldview side of it, like I'm hoping to do on the Twitter side. 
But that's not, maybe people can email us and let us know. Yeah, give us some what, ideas. What kind of ideas do you guys have for what we could put on? It's something that you know not everybody would want to hear, but if you want to hear it, you could get it as an insider. You know, for whatever you want to throw in the Diet Coke fund uh, on <laughs> Patreon. Uh, Spielman Hooley Podcast at gmail.com is the email. You can follow us on Instagram, on Facebook, on Twitter now. I believe we are at... Really? Yeah, we're on Twitter at We Tackle. I think that's it. We t- at, I wanted it at We Tackle Life, but for some reason Twitter wouldn't give so us We Tackle So I want you to know that your CEO and you're in charge of that Twitter account I'll police it are you, on the purposeful, are you, nice You're speaking nice for both of us. I realize. Yes. Uh, thank you for reminding me of that. Thanks. It's a good reminder. No, I'm serious. No, I know you are. I, I, I meant that. I meant that. Thank you. Okay. All right. So this is the faith portion of the podcast. Uh, if you, I have uh, something really cool today. Good. Great. Fantastic. The floor is yours. You have something also I to love add to, today? I like to react to yours. Yeah, I do, okay. but I, I can. Uh, I have two things. I want to ask you these questions. So something really cool happened, and this is actually where all you listening out there and you're driving to and from work, something really cool happened to me yesterday morning. Or actually, excuse me, was uh, no, it was yesterday morning because it was after Wednesday's podcast. So it was yesterday morning. I'm up, and I'm doing my praying and walking in the morning. And all the listeners... And this podcast popped into my brain. Mm-hmm. Then I was given a verse on Tuesday night at a men's group. And I went back to that verse. And it was this. It's Ephesians 1, 15 through 19. And this is, and you got to understand, so when I'm praying and walking, things pop into my brain. And that's what I pray for. And the listeners of the podcast and the podcast itself popped in my brain. It was really cool when that happens, when you can tie a verse to something that applies yeah. directly to your life. one fifteen through 19. For this reason, ever since I've heard about your faith in Lord Jesus and your love for all God's people, I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. That's you, the listeners. It was so cool. So I'm sitting there praying for all our listeners. Ones that have a faith, ones that don't have a faith, it doesn't matter. We're all one. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people, and his comparably great, incomparably great power for us who believe that the power is the same as his mighty strength. So the coolest thing about that for me was so often when I pray for things, I'll pray for Huli family, I'll pray for my family or friends of mine. Mm-hmm. But to pray for an enormous group, I always felt that was like, yeah, that's probably whatever reason. And I shouldn't put, obviously I shouldn't put limits on God, but I did. So I'm just being honest. But for this, for the listeners of this podcast, when I read that, my mind went, in my head, right away, the listeners of this podcast popped up. That's cool. It, it, it's really cool. So I love what you just said about I, we're all one. I yeah. love that. Even if you're not a believer, we're all one. Yeah. So it was so cool for me to 
to be able to do that. And what that message says that I'm praying for your wisdom and and and, and, and whatever you're going through, knowledge and and to keep growing or keep searching. Nobody's forcing you to agree or disagree with anything. The only thing that we ask is, and I this has kind of been my thing for 2020. At least investigate what we believe because you have nothing to lose. And the decision is very, it is and the, everything most, to gain. the most momentous decision you'll ever make in your life. And, and you know, that that's all. You got nothing to lose, everything to gain. And if you're right, there's nothing. You still have nothing to lose. You're not out anything. If yeah. you're, yeah. If Doesn't you, cost if you, come, you a thing. If you come over to our, our way and order your life this way and put your faith in Christ and it turns out, that at the end, which it's not going to turn out this way, but if, if it turns out at the end that it's not true, you're not out anything. But if we're right, and I'm very convinced we are, boy, the consequences of the decision to reject Jesus are, as I said, the most consequential decision you'll ever make in your life. And it is a decision each one of us has yeah. to make for ourselves. Mom and dad going to church. I'm sitting next to my wife, and she goes, so I'm good. No, you're not. It's a personal relationship, so it's a personal decision. I want to I want to say again, so I've been saying a lot for, for the listening uh, people, listeners. This is the one thing that really, like, popped off the page at me, and I said I, I felt God really spoke to me. Hey, Chris, you need to say this on the podcast. And it's verse 18. I pray... This is for you, listeners. This is me talking to God for you. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope of which he has called you. Yeah. that And it was so cool for me to service, um, to serve our listeners like, like that. So it was cool. One of the so, things I love, if I could just interject, one of the things I love about Paul's letters in the New Testament and he wrote 14 of them, 14 books of the Bible. I like to go through his letters, whether it's Colossians or Corinthians or Ephesians or whatever, and read almost always, in fact, I would say always, in the first chapter of the book, he will tell who he's writing to. And he wrote these letters to churches in towns. It would be like Spiel's letter to the Canton Church or Bruce's letter to the Urbana Church. These are Paul's letters to churches in towns. And in each one, he tells them what he's praying for. And the prayers, if you go through and find them, they're usually two, three verses long, sometimes a little longer. The prayers are awesome. And then you think about how, well, he's writing to believers, so I'm a believer or I'm a seeker, so that's what his prayer is for me. And it's just really powerful stuff. And that prayer from Ephesians that Chris uh, referenced is really a really powerful prayer. So, uh, can I keep going? Because I have I have a bunch of other stuff. Please do. I hope you're not busy driving or s- sit in your car for a second and hear this. So, when you have faith, faith requires a response. It really does to put us in action. This This was actually from a priest about three weeks ago. He asked this question, do you accept God's love? Uh, if 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 you do accept God's love and have a reverence and an understanding and acceptance of that love, that requires action. Do you respond to the whispers of God? Mm. So I hold myself to this test. I go, do I respond to the whispers of God? Well, first of all, I put myself in a situation by walking and praying in the morning 
to be able to respond to God. God responded to me by when I reading that verse and hearing about that verse, the first thing that popped into my mind was this podcast and who we're talking to and who we're reaching in a non-judgmental way, but in a loving way. And this is the challenge to you. And those of you that are maybe a little more mature in your walk, do you respond to that whisper of God? Are you willing to listen, to hear? And when you're willing to listen and to hear, are you willing to respond? So I think it. Uh, I was really challenged. And here's the other question, Bruce. I'm going to ask this to you. I'm going to. I'm going to share my experience with you. Okay. When was the last time that you've experienced the supernatural or God working through you, or you did something or accomplished something, knowing? Uh, that that was a God-given thing, or you wouldn't have been able to do it without Holy Spirit or God or faith or whatever. So I got this in, I had this experience this summer, and I touched on it earlier, and it's really important to me because it's really cool. And I didn't know that it was supernatural until I really thought about it. And people are going to say, you're full of it, and... You know, you're speaking hokey-dokey, magic, abracadabra stuff. I talked about when I got the phone call. I just got back from New York, and I got the phone call, and my daughter is in a complete, the scariest phone call. First of all, you think of the way that she's crying and how upset she is. You think somebody passed away or somebody struggled or, or something awful happened, and she couldn't get the words out. And it was, uh, I, 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 I tore my ACL, I know, you know, and just in a complete panic, right? And so I'm saying, okay, inside, I'm crushed. Yeah. I mean, I want to drop, right? Because we don't want anything to happen to our, to our kids. We don't want any harm to come to them. But for whatever reason, when I started talking, I was calm. And I said, it's going to be okay. Don't worry about it. Where are you now? She said, I'm at the trainers. I put the trainer on the phone, talked to the trainer. So they were ending up going to, after I got off the phone with the trainer, Mace calmed down. They were going to uh, the coach's house for a barbecue. This is in the summertime. She had all the players over for a barbecue. I said, Mace, I'm, I'm coming up to pick you up. I hang up the phone and I drop because I'm devastated. Yeah. Because, you know, as a father, and I can't speak as a mother because I'm not a mother. I can speak as a father. The one thing we always want to do is just protect everybody, right? We don't want harm to come to our children, but harm may come. So how are you going to respond? Drive. I get in the car. And I'm going up. I'm coming to get you. We'll go to the doctors. Made some phone calls. Driving on the way up, I am just devastated. I mean angry, sad, disappointed, frustrated, and um, letting it all out. I'm having an argument with God on the way up to Bowling Green on Route 23, all the way up. I pull into the neighborhood of the coach, go to the house, and I'm parking the cars. I'm parking the car. I'm seeing Macy and her teammates with Macy in this giant wrapped knee in crutches. Mm. and my heart is broken. So I get out of the car, and I go see her. 
And all of a sudden, out of my mind, I said, hey, Mace, all right, what do we got going on here? Okay, man, I see. Well, you know what? It's part of sports. It's going to be okay. We'll figure this out, and we'll get it going. And hi, girls, how are you? And how's everything going? And how was practice today? And, yeah, you know, Mace will be okay. Don't worry about it. Get in the car, talking to Mace the whole way home, and not showing any anger, not showing any sadness, not showing any frustration, not showing any, oh, why is life so unfair like we tend to do, and proceeded to go to the doctors, get the surgery. So I didn't know I was acting in a supernatural way. And how I knew I was acting in a supernatural way was that at our house, when it's somebody's birthday, Everybody that's in attendance for that dinner or cake and ice cream session, it's not really a party, it's just we all get together. Before anybody's allowed to leave, you have to go around the room and everybody has to say what or why they love that person Mm -hmm. whose birthday it is. So Macy gets up. And all of a sudden, she looks at me, and these tears are coming into her eyes, right? And she said, I love you, Dad, because when I hurt my knee, you were right there. And you never wavered. You were what I needed at that exact moment in time. You were strong when I was weak. And my teammates came up to me, and they said, I can't believe your dad is as calm as he is. And I thought back on that, and that had nothing to do with me. I was only strong because the Holy Spirit knew that I needed him to be strong for me. Because I understand that God's grace is sufficient. And so when I was weak, which I was on the whole way up there, by submitting surrendering to God for this situation on how to deal with it, I became strong. And so that was my moment, the most current moment of something supernatural happening to me, which if it were natural or my normal self or my human self or my non-Christian self or my non-tapping into the power of the Holy Spirit self, I would have punched a girl in the face. Just kidding. (laughs) I would want to punch a girl in the face that happened to trip over her feet and sideswipe. You know, of course, it's all within sports and all that. Or I would have walked out of there in a complete panic, sprinted up the driveway, and acted a fool. And so I never really knew how she felt until on my birthday, three months later, that she noticed my approach and that I was exactly what she needed at that particular difficult moment in her time. And for me, it had nothing to do with who I am, but it had everything to do of whose I am. That's awesome, man. Really good. Um, that was a very long story. I know. Did you follow it? I followed it a hundred percent. It was very compelling. And I'll just, Add to that, my experience is 
different but very similar in that I have a friend who's going through a very difficult time in his life. I have just become aware that he's had a struggle for a long, long, long time on many levels, um, several decades. Um, I want to fix it. You said, you know, our, our, our tendency is to protect. It's also my tendency is to fix yeah. when somebody presents me a problem. Absolutely. Yes. Well, here's how you fix it. And, <laughs> and honestly, you know, in his life, I look at the pain he's going through and I hurt for him. But I could sit there and I could say, well, you can't do this. You know, you got to stop doing this. You did this. That was a... As I've sat and talked with him, I've been in that moment praying, Lord, just help me do this right. I don't know what to do here. Yeah. I don't have an That's answer. That's brutal, yeah. I don't have an answer to fix. I don't want to, because one of the things that this uh, friend said to me, it was, it was it, for me, very scary. He said, I'm just ready to walk away. And I was afraid he meant walk away, and I think he did mean walk away from the faith, walk away from the various commitments in his life. And so I've tried to, I mean, I'm like, I don't want to say the wrong thing so that I push him away. I don't want to end the relationship by saying something well, offensive so he yeah. keeps coming back. But I don't want to say, yeah, that's okay. You should do that. You know, you're, and so I don't have the wisdom for those moments. And so I just listened. And I, I said several times, I understand, and I do understand because sure. I've been through some things, but they were things that I could have easily said, well, that's wrong. Don't do that. Now, when I said I understand, I didn't say I endorse. I do understand. And I just wanted, I, I felt the most important thing to do was just to continue the relationship to maintain access to him so that at some point in time, there'll be an opportunity God will prepare his heart to hear something that I didn't say that first or second time, but I may have to say in the third, fourth, tenth, fifteenth conversation, and I'm trusting God to give me that. So after a series of these conversations, when I think of him, like you were saying, you were prompted to pray for the people who listen to the podcast. When I'm praying in the morning, sometimes I get a thought that I need to send to this person, and I send it to him. Well, one day he sent me back something and it said and it just struck me not because it just struck me because nobody ever said this to me he said you have a good heart and i thought no i don't <laughs> no i don't you always think that about yourself but you i, I but heart. i just but but i thought he thinks i do because christ has acted through me yeah, to him exactly and so you were asking me the question when's the last time that's very that's cool. That's to me. I was like, no, I don't, man. I do not have yeah. a good heart. <laughs> and but to have another person who you've tried to minister to and yeah. be a friend to feel that way was really, really powerful to me. And not because, hey, check it out, I got a great heart. It's like, no, thank you, Lord, for in that moment giving me something that's not in me. So the challenge, I like to challenge people. I'm challenge the listeners. First of all, two things I want to challenge you on. If you started a physical program or goal 
at the beginning of the year, like most a lot of people do with New Year's rev, uh, resolutions, or like I did with some stupid six thousand mile challenge. Uh, if you started that, I hope that you're still on it. I hope that you're still focused on being balanced mentally, physically, and spiritually. Just get if you're not, if you took a break, I encourage you, please get back on it to get healthy. And just you don't have to do crazy things. Just take a first step and keep going. Just keep climbing the mountain, man. Just keep going. You can do this, and uh, I want to encourage you to keep doing it. And um, I'm doing it. I don't like it, but I'm doing it. And I just want to encourage that if I can do it, and I'm as weak as you, you can do it. So, and the other thing is, think about when the last time something supernatural happened in your life, or you. And supernatural doesn't have to mean like pulling rabbits out of hats or <laughs> magical stuff, but or something or a situation came up that you handled and that you don't know how you were able to do it, but you did it. Yeah, all great stuff. I would like to enlist your uh, help. If you've listened to this at this juncture of the podcast, then I think you got a pretty strong faith or you have a desire to have a strong faith. So I'd like to ask you to pray for the future of our podcast because we have a we have been trying to seek to affiliate with someone who can help us grow our platform. Uh, we've had some things we've approached that I thought made perfect sense and will be a slam dunk, and they haven't worked out. We have some other meetings scheduled with some people, and I would like the only reason I bring it up is not like oh we got to grow. It's like no, I'd like to give people the opportunity to feel like they're invested in whatever good things happen for us in the future. Yeah. So if you pray and things uh, come together, maybe that'll be an opportunity for you to have an answer to when did something supernatural happen because maybe this will flourish in a way. So we'd like to bring you in on that and appreciate your uh Because the podcast us. ain't changing. I'll tell you that no, right it now. Isn't. It no, ain't it changing. No, it's not. It is not changing. So everybody have a great weekend, and we'll talk to you again Monday here on the We Tackle Life podcast. <laughs>